Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. First uh, Thessalonians 5, <clears throat> starting at verse 18. And it says, In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you holy. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful uh, to have an opportunity for the study this morning. We're going to talk about gratitude. We're going to talk about gratitude. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for an opportunity to come and to worship in this house. I pray, Lord, your words would be spoken through this imperfect vessel. God, I pray that your words would be alive. I pray your words would be timely as they already are. God, I pray that all the glory, all the honor, every bit would be unto you, God. We praise you. We thank you. Let hearts and minds be prepared today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Gratitude. I know I picked the right month, but maybe a couple weeks early on a gratitude study. But nonetheless, that's where we're led this morning. Um, on this, this verse that we open with, that in everything to give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. When we read that in Adam Clark's commentary, I, I love the way that it illustrates this. It says, and I quote, For this is the will of God, that you should be always happy, that you should ever be in the spirit of prayer, and that you should profit by every occurrence in life. And be continually grateful and obedient. And this is the, this is the tag we're going to hang on to a lot today. For gratitude and obedience are inseparably connected. End quote. Gratitude and obedience are inseparably connected. You can't take them apart. My ability to be obedient to God is going to be, in a lot of ways, correlated on my gratitude for what God is doing in my life and vice versa. When I'm grateful, when I'm showing gratitude to what God is doing, obviously I'm going to obey him. And I'm going to obey him because of the things he's done and because of who he is. Right. And I love that he says, too, that we should profit by every occurrence in life. And then if we back that up with what we read, and it talked about in everything, give thanks, right? So there's an important distinction there. It doesn't say in all the good things, give thanks. And it doesn't say you can profit by all the good things, you can profit when you get a raise, or you can profit when you get that new vehicle, that new house. It says in everything, in every single occurrence, yes. you should profit. You should look at the occurrences that are good and the occurrences that are working towards good and say, this is profitable. This is good. This is acceptable will of God in my life. 
So I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to be thankful. To the things that I see as immediately blessing me, I'm going to be grateful. For the things that I see that will bless me maybe later in character, I'm going to be thankful. In all things, gratitude. Uh, Now, looking at this a little bit in the natural sense, we're going to read a snippet from the National Library of Medicine. They released a study, and it says, I quote, we report four studies that tested the hypothesis that gratitude increases obedience. And they used four experimental studies that involved 263 participants. And they found that participants who were induced to feel gratitude obeyed to a greater extent a command they were given, which is pretty phenomenal, isn't it? It's almost like God knows exactly what's going on right before we know what's going on. But we're catching up. We're getting there. We're going we're gonna to find out one of these days. It might be on the other side of glory. Um, but gratitude is directly connected to our obedience. When we are feeling gratitude, when we are so thankful for what God is doing, obedience won't be an issue. Gratitude and obedience on display. We're going to jump through a couple stories here and extrapolate some things. So first we're going to talk about, we're going to look at a story um, about looking at God is not enough. God, what you're doing is not enough. We're going to look at Isaiah 14, uh, reading verses 12 through 15. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down from the ground? which did weaken the nations. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. I will, I will, I will. Mm -hmm. Lucifer kept saying, I'm going to do this. I will make this happen. I will do this. So when we have that, what's the implication? What God, what you're doing isn't enough. The stuff you're doing in my life just isn't quite going to cut it. It's not enough, God. So I'm going to take control. I'm going to take over. It's easy to look at this, what we read about Lucifer, and say, oh, man, he had a terrible attitude. What a terrible person or being, I guess, angel. Um, But we can look at this in our lives and see a lot of it ourselves, too. At least I can. I can look at it and say, well, God, what you're doing here, it's not quite right. So I'm just going to put a little bow on it. Right. I'm just going to jump in and do a little bit more right. on what you're... Uh, looking at the creator of the universe and saying, what you're doing, not quite up to par. I've got some better... At God, I've got some thoughts on how I can improve some of the stuff you're doing in my life. Just, just, a, few, just a few notes. We can yes. talk about it. Yes. I mean, later when I pray, of course, because that's spotty. Because if I'm thinking about the creator of the universe isn't doing it just right... I'm not being very thankful to him. I'm not obeying him because I'm not thankful for what he's doing. It's not quite enough. You're close, God, but you just missed it. So Lucifer is saying, I will do it. Not enough. With a mentality like this, we are telling God your blessings, your provisions, they're just, just not quite there, and I can help. And what happened when Lucifer tried to help what God was doing didn't go so hot for him. So now let's look at, that was, it's not enough. So now we're going to look at, it's not soon enough. Not soon enough. Exodus 32. We're going to go uh, start reading there, verse number one. And remember, as we look at all this, these are stories we know. These are things we know. But I want to boil it down, too. 
Because I want to look at this and say, how is this applicable to me? Now, obviously, I'm not saying I'm going to exalt myself above the heavens, but I am saying I'm going to make my own will pass, maybe in spite of yours, God. I'm going to do my own thing in spite of what you're planning. And then here in Exodus 32, let's do that as well. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, that rascal, he took his time with God. How dare he? Don't he know we got places to go? We're on our way to Canaan here, Moses. Then the people gathered themselves together under Aaron and said unto him, Up. I love that. Come on, Aaron. Get up. I got some thoughts. It's not good enough, and also it's not soon enough. Get up. Make us gods, which shall go before us. For as this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become. We have no idea what happened to him, Aaron. It's like we weren't just told exactly what was going to happen and where he was going and why he was going there. What happened? We don't know. We don't know what happened, Aaron. Where'd this Moses guy go? Just forgot. And then it goes on and says, Aaron said, we'll break off the golden earrings, which are in your ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them unto me. I want to emphasize a few things on this, and then we're going, to, we're going to tie this in with something else. So the first thing is, Moses delayed. We have no idea what happened to him when they were told exactly what was going on. They were told exactly, Moses is going to go up. He's going to receive a word from God. And they saw it with their own eyes. They saw the clouds around the mountain. They heard the tremble. They, they knew exactly what was going on. That's right. But in their impatience, they're just like, I don't know what's going on. Do you ever do that? I know I will look for something, and it, my wife loves it. She'll, she'll agree. She loves it when I go through the house. And I'm like, hey, have you seen this specific shirt that I have never even looked for right now? <laughs> She's like, did you look in the drawer where it's supposed to be? No, I just figured you might know where it's at. She does, but you get the point. I know where it's supposed to be. I know exactly what is supposed to happen to that shirt. I just, in my impatience, try to skip the process. I try to skip this thing, and that's exactly what the Israelites did. They know what's going on. They can see that like, there's a literal miracle happening right in front of their eyes. And they're like, I don't know what happened to that Moses dude, but he better hurry it up. we got places to go. So that's the first thing. He says, what's going on? They get so short-sighted that they can't see the full picture. They can't see the full illumination of what God is doing in that moment because they're in a hurry. God, I see there's some cool stuff going on, but it's not quite soon enough. It's not in the timing that I think it should be. So next thing we want to outline in there is that it says, For as this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, this man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, so not only did they lose sight of what was happening, they lost sight of who did it. Moses didn't bring them out of Egypt. God brought them out of Egypt through Moses. Not only did they lose the timing on what, what exactly was happening, they lost timing on whose hands did the work. They said, this man Moses, who brought us out. So not being thankful for what God is doing in your life will cause you to lose sight of who's doing what. Then we get confused and we say, well, I can't understand. Is this God that's working this? Or is this some other thing that's working this for my not benefit? Well, if we knew exactly what his hand looked like, if we paid attention to what his hands do, then we would know exactly whose hand's doing what. Right. So this last thing we want to look at, we're going to read uh, this last portion. Break off the golden earrings, which are in your wives, in the ears of your wives, in your sons and your daughters, and bring them unto me. So now, 
I want to look at, with this, we're going to connect this with Exodus chapter 12, 35 and 36. And it'll be really interesting what we see that ties together here. And the children of Israel, so they're, they're marching out of Egypt, finally, after all the, you know, Pharaoh said, you can go, no, I changed my mind, you can go, no, I changed my mind. Now they're walking out, they're leaving, they're done, after uh, all this stuff has happened. And it says, the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. They borrowed of the Egyptians. I like the word of that word, borrowed there, the use of that word borrowed. That's a funny use of that word. They borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver, jewels of gold, and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they lent them. Again, funny use of the word lent. They're borrowing and lending when they ain't coming back and they ain't paying back nothing. They lent them such things as required, and they spoiled or plundered the Egyptians. So we see in Exodus 32, they're breaking off earrings. They're taking gold and jewelry to make an idol, right? Well, then when we look back in Exodus chapter 12, we see exactly where they got that from because they didn't find it in the wilderness. They got it from there. So they took the very blessings that God gave to them like in a very, very physical, literal, we can see it really easily way, and turned it straight into an idol, literally an idol. So then what does this look like for us? Because it's easy to look at it and say, you foolish little group of people roaming through the desert. But what do we do with the blessings that God gives us? What do I do with the money that God blesses me with? in an extra sort of way. What do I do with the extra time that God gives me? What do I do with the extra resources God gives me? With the extra uh, fill in the blank, what do I do with these blessings that God gives me? Do I turn them back to Him and worship Him with these? Or do I just straight make another idol about it? Make an idol of this money. Make an idol of these resources. Make an idol of this car, of this house, of this ministry. Make an idol out of all these things that were meant to be blessings for me. They were meant to increase me. They were meant that God says he gave them favor. But now they've just turned it and made a golden calf. Right. So the Egyptians said, or the, the Israelites said, it's not quite soon enough. Your, your miracles are coming and we see you're doing stuff, but not quite soon enough. They're not quite in my timing. They worshiped the substance of the blessing rather than the source of the blessing. They chose to worship the gold, the handfuls of gold that they had rather than the one who provided the gold, rather than the one who parted the Red Sea, rather than the one who made the bitter water sweet, and so on and on and on and on and on. They, could, they walked with the source, but then they chose the substance. They chose the immediate. They chose the things that were right here that they could hold, that were tangible, that they could see, that they could hold on to, rather than a God that to them was unpredictable, rather than a God to them that didn't suit their time. He didn't suit exactly the way they wanted things done. So they chose the things that they could lay their hands on rather than a God that they could lift their hands to. So now we're going to go into our focus and our perspective. Turn to somebody and say, my focus drives my perspective. The way what you focus on will determine the way you see something. Your perspective, you ever notice that uh, when somebody gets a new specific kind of car, you see those cars everywhere? That's right. Yeah? You, or you're looking at getting car X, and you notice, man, everybody is driving that car, and it looks good, and I think I should buy it. You see it everywhere because your mind is focused on that, seeing that car. 
Really, there's not that many out there, or as many as you think they are. But you're, the thing is, you're focused on it. So your perspective is, there's so many of them, I'd be a fool not to buy one. So my focus drives my perspective. So now we're going to go to Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to be reading this in the Amplified Version, so it might look a little different, but I love the way it illustrates this. Now the serpent was more crafty. He was more subtle, more skilled in deceit than any living creature of the field which the Lord God had made. And the serpent, or Satan, said to the woman, Can it really be that God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of all the trees of the garden, except the fruit from the tree which is in the middle of the garden. God said, You shall not eat it or touch it, otherwise ye will die. But the serpent, smooth-talking serpent, he said to the woman, You will certainly not die, for God knows that on the day you eat it, in your eyes will be opened. That is, you will have greater awareness. You will be enlightened. God knows when you eat that fruit, you ain't going to need him anymore. You'll have greater awareness, and you'll be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. And when the women saw the tree was good for food, and that it was delightful to look at, and a tree to be desired in order to make one wise and insightful. When you read that, let's stop a second. When it's a tree that looks like it's one that can make one wise and is good for... Uh, let me read that once more. Uh, when it is a tree to de- be desired in order to make one wise and insightful. Let's ask a simple question. How did this tree look any different than every other tree? It probably didn't look that much different. It probably had some distinctions. It may have been located a little differently. But I will, I will venture to say their focus... And the way they were affixed on that tree mounts their perspective of what it looks like. It's not that that tree looked any different than any other day that Eve walked by it. But the thing is, the serpent had brought her, perspe- her, her focus so hard on this tree that she looked at that bark that looked like just about every other tree in the garden, and she said, my goodness, this tree looks so good. Oh, it looks like when I eat it, I would just be so smart and so wise. Man, why did Jesus hold this from me? Why did God not let me have this tree? The bark on this tree looks... Even the leaves look different. Do you see it, Adam? The way the light shimmers off those leaves, it doesn't do that like any other tree. It looks so good. Oh, I can't take it, Adam. But the reality was it was about her focus and her perspective. She was so fixed on this tree after the serpent came in and sold her a slick lie that her perspective changed everything because she ate. And then she gave to her husband that was with her, and he ate. Just as we saw the Israelites lost sight of the long goal, right? They lost sight of what was important, of what God had said. They lost sight on the big picture that they sold out everything for just a couple handfuls of gold. Eve sold out everything for just a bite of a tree, just a bite of some fruit. We cannot also lose sight on the big picture. We must also always be grateful And look at it and say, God, it may not be happening in the timing that I want. It may not be happening in just the way that I want. There's probably a lot of things I would love to change. But let me be grateful. Because it's hard to be unthankful while you're being thankful. It's hard to be frustrated at the things that are going on in your job when you're busy being thankful 
about all the things that are going on in your job. It's hard to be prideful when I'm busy thanking God for all the beautiful, amazing works that he has done. It's hard for me to be insecure when I'm busy being thankful about everything that God has brought me out of. When I see the mountains that I have climbed through God's grace and I'm being thankful about it, it's really hard for me to wrap my head around how I'm not enough. It's hard for me to look at a giant that's lying on the ground and saying, well, I just don't know how I'm going to do this. When I'm thankful, when I'm standing there being thankful about the giant that's laying before me. It's hard for me to struggle being envious or jealous when I'm busy thanking God for everything he's given me. It's hard for me to focus on all these things. It's hard for me to struggle with lust when I'm busy thanking God for my spouse. Or if I'm not married yet, thanking God for the purity, physical, and emotional blessings that God brings through the way that he has designed purity. It's hard for me to focus on these things that I don't have when I'm so busy thanking him for the things that I do have. Uh, On a natural note, my wife and I uh, just finished a Daniel fast recently, and I'll say she did a lot better with it than I did. Uh, I made it. We did it. I didn't fail, but she did better at it. Most of that was about the middle of it. <clears throat> Boy, craving set in hard, and I used to eat a lot of meat in my diet before this Daniel fast. All that changed. Well, then I was so focused on the fact that I just wanted some hamburger, some steak, some chicken. I just wanted some meat. My body craved it. And my focus was so hard on that, it was really hard to be thankful about what the fast was doing. It was really hard. It was so tempting because I was so focused on what I wanted rather than what I could actually have. So I, I, it had to have been at least twice. She's, my wife was very gently but pointedly Dylan, you just have to stop focusing on what you can't have and focus on what you can have. And I'm like, God, that's silly. No way. <laughs> that's too simple. That's a Katie answer if I've ever heard one. <laughs> and I was like, that's silly. And then a few days would pass. I'm like, I want a cup of coffee. I want a steak. I want, I want, I want, I want. And I got so focused <clears throat> on all these things that I wanted that I couldn't have that I was not thankful for the things I could eat. Well, then, when I finally got it through this skull to be thankful for the things I could have, then it was easy. It was simple. It wasn't easy. It was simple. And it was a great life lesson for me and for that we can apply, too. We cannot focus on what we cannot have. We must focus and leave our perspective on what God has given us. And that takes us to a part where we're going to talk about modesty, Everybody's excited. I've seen a couple people shift. What time is it? Can I make it out? Can I hit the bathroom? We're going to go to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter said, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So that word repent there, we've studied it before, we've read it before. That word repent in the original text is meta. Noeo, metanoeo, and that's perfect pronunciation. You don't need to check it. I got it for you. Metanoeo. Metanoeo means change my mind. It means turn around. We've heard that before. And and what I would like to do today is kind of go and tie it in with some other stuff. That way we can kind of see just a different perspective on it. 
So the word metanoeo, when we, before we expand this, we're going to look at another. So we have that metanoeo. It's a combination of two words, two Greek words, right? So meta and noeo. Meta, that prefix we have in our English language some. Can anyone name me a word that begins with meta? Metaphor, that's good. I'm hearing a lot, but nothing clear. The one we're going to focus on is metabolic or metabolism, right? Metabolism. So what would you think of when you think of metabolism? It's okay. We're, we're, I know we're close to lunch, and I'm flirting with dangerous territory here. But we're going to talk about food for just a minute. Just like 30 seconds. Just focus on me, not the food, not the steak, not the lasagna. Focus on him. Focus on him. Perspective. So, metabolism. Meta is the prefix. It means beyond or to be changed beyond something. Balism is to throw. And boy, that one threw me for a loop. Like how does metabolic, metabolism, the beyond throw? But when you look at that a little deeper, it means to change. So the idea of changing from one location to another. Throw something. When I throw something, I'm moving it from this location to that location, right? I'm moving it beyond something. So metabolism is the practice, the idea of taking something from one location and moving it beyond something else. The way we can look at that is our body takes, again, dangerous territory. I'm going to walk this line very tightly. But say I've got this nice plate, and I want you to think of what's on it. Your favorite meal right now, what you're craving. I'm going to put on it a nice steak, baked potato, salad, maybe some asparagus. That's some good stuff there. It's okay if you disagree. You can be wrong. So we've got some delicious food there. We have lots of nutrients, right? We've got some protein. We've got fats. We've got some good fats. We've got carbs. We've got all these wonderful nutrients in that plate, right? <clears throat> what happens if I just stare at that plate? Nothing. It goes bad eventually. But like, what happens to me if I just stare at that plate besides over-salivating glance? Nothing. The energy that's there does nothing until I eat it, until I put it in my belly. It doesn't do anything. But when I begin to put it in my belly, my body begins to metabolize it. It begins to take it from the potential energy to real energy. It begins to take those proteins from potential things that are just sitting there doing nothing to things that can actually be put to work. It can be put to work putting back my, fibre, my, my muscle fibers. It can be put back to work giving me calories so that I can move, so that I can regulate my body temperature. So a plethora of things. So that's your body metabolizing. Some more examples of our body metabolizing is breathing. We take energy, that, or uh, oxygen, that is in the air. We breathe it in. We metabolize it. We take it. I'm going to butcher this, Amy. I'm sorry. But we're going to take it from our lungs. It's going to absorb it. It's going to put it in our oxygen, in our blood. That blood is going to be carrying oxygen through the rest of our body. So we're metabolizing. We're taking things that are potential. Because what's the potential of the air around us unless we breathe it? There's nothing there. It's the potential energy. What do we have if we have a huge rock sitting on the top of a cliff? We have potential energy. Nothing's going to happen unless that is disturbed, unless you push it. But when you push it, what happens? You have lots of energy. Hang with me here. I, I promise we're going somewhere. So we can also look at digesting food and nutrients, regulating your body temperature, functions of the brain and nerves. All of that can be looked at as metabolism, metabolism. So back to Acts 2.38. So we have metabolic, and we have metanoeo, for repent. Meta, as we learned, is to beyond, and noeo is to think, to think. 
If we look at it a little deeper, it is to think differently after to have a change of mind. So when we look at metanoeo in that sense, we say beyond thinking. So we have a way of thinking beyond that action. So when I repent, my thinking goes beyond where it would have been. It goes past the point of where it was sitting. My old man sits back here, and it has no potential sitting there without God's grace. And then whenever I repent and I put, my hands in the hand, or put myself in the hands of the master, then I have a metanoeo moment where I'm moving past. The potential has now moved into the purpose. The potential of something has moved into the physical of something. See what God had planned for me then. The potential that he had for your ministry then is now flipped around and it's gone beyond that. It's being put into action. Now you begin to metabolize all this stuff that God is putting in your life and you're moving beyond. You're moving forward. You're moving past that. Your metanueo, your new way of thinking. So now, as you remember, we're still in the uh, the section of modesty, right? So that was just the stage. We're setting the stage there for modesty and gratitude. When I'm busy thanking God for my old man, right? Before metanoia, before repentance, before he came in and changed my life. When I'm busy thanking God for the way he brought me from all the way back there to where I'm at now, I don't want to go back, do I? When I'm busy thanking God for pulling me out of a heritage of alcoholism, I don't want to see just how close I can go back to the bars while I'm still okay. I don't want to see just how, well, I mean, technically, if it's non-alcoholic, is it really a sin? Is it this? We're splitting hairs because we're busy focusing on what we want, what our flesh wants, as opposed to what we can have. God is saying, here's everything. Here's every tree. But here's one tree you can't have. So we're busy thanking God for how far he's brought us from our old man. I'm not going to try to skirt back here as close to Egypt, going back to our Israel metaphor, going back to Egypt as close as I can get and say, well, they had idols in Egypt. Maybe I should just make some idols and we'll be back to where we were. We won't have to deal with this unpredictable Jehovah thing. This is, this is kind of a weird arrangement. But when we're so enamored with gratitude, when we're so locked on, God, I'm so thankful for the where, where you have brought me from. I'm not going to try to skirt back here and see just how close I can get. That's how we have to view modesty. Modesty is a gratitude issue. It's an issue that says, God, I'm so incredibly thankful for the life that you've given me, I'm not going to chance it. I'm not going to look at it and say, uh, well, can I go to the movies? Can I go to a restaurant that has a bar inside of it and is most of the seating. Can I go and watch this movie because I'm mature enough to handle it? Can I go to, to, to this idea or can I go to that? We have this idea because we're not focused on gratitude. We're focused on liberty. We're focused on God. You've given me liberty. You've set me free. But we have to stay focused on gratitude because gratitude says, God, I'm thankful for where you brought me from, so I'm going to stay there and move forward. I'm not going to be trying to skirt back here as close as I can to Egypt with their customs and the customs of this world. Well, God, can I have an app that's like this? Because technically I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm mature enough. I'm feeling good about it. But all the while, we're not we're losing sight on where God has brought us from we're just trying to see where we would like to go I just want to see how many things I can fill my time with while God's still kind of important but I say we should flip that and say God I'm so thankful my heart is so full of gratitude that I'm moving everything out 
everything out because this life that God has given me is not worth the chance. It's not worth the chance of letting something else in that's going to potentially distort it. Can you stand with me, please? Another word, that, uh, so we learned about meta. Meta is to be beyond. It's to go from a state beyond that state. The potential to the physical, the potential to the purposed. We also see another prefix that has roughly the same meaning is trans, to be transformed, to be transfigured. We read in Romans 12, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you will prove that it is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So when we look at this idea, don't be conformed, be transformed. Don't be conformed in the sense that I'm going to see how close, how much I can get by with and still be on the platform. How much I can get by with and still semi-hear the voice of God. How much I can get by with and still pray every now and again and feel okay about it and not be convicted. How much can I get away with and still not be under conviction? How much can I add in? How much can I grab a hold? How much gold can I carry out of Egypt to make an idol with? and still be okay with God. But I want to be transformed. I want to repent and move beyond that. I don't want to be weighted down with all the old man that's behind me. I don't envy that life. I don't miss that life. My flesh pokes up every now and again. I have to remind myself, no. I'm thankful for the way God is moving in my life. I'm thankful for the ministry he's given me. I'm thankful for the family he's given me. I'm thankful for the job he's given me. I'm thankful for the favor. I'm thankful for the peace. I'm thankful for the joy. I'm thankful for his presence. I'm thankful for his spirit. I'm thankful for all of that. So I'm going to show gratitude by cutting out these distractions, by moving forward, by letting go of old things, by letting go of things that I've let come in my life and take a hold. Because I'm far too thankful to turn back now. I'm far too thankful to let the enemy influence me now. Can we worship together right now? Can we pray? God, I'm praying that root would take place right now. That we, God, would move past. That we would move forward. That we would not be conformed by this world. We would be transformed. God, that we would be thankful. That we would show gratitude. That we, God, in everything that we do, would give you glory. Would give you worship. Would lift you up, God. Because it's all about you. It's all about your glory. It's all about your presence. God, we want... We want to live closer to you. We want to continue every day to move closer to you, to draw closer to your presence, to draw closer to your mind that should be in us. God, we're so thankful. So thankful, Lord. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthen you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.